we are going to talk about hearing and doing. I'm going to give you um, uh, the Word of God. From, we're going to talk about the hearing Word, God's Word, and then Jason's going to come up here in a few minutes and talk about doing God's Word. So let's go right into it. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to get my Bible out. Don't you guys love technology? I mean, I don't even know how my parents even survived without this. This is like a lifeline right here. All right, Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So if you know anything about me, I love to build things. So when it comes to this, I like this because Jesus is talking about building a house, right? I love to build things out of wood, and I think by the end of my life, I would it would be just awesome just to say I built my own house. I don't think I'll ever do that because I have a problem with finishing and not finishing a house is a really bad deal. So I don't think I'll ever do it. I just asked my wife. I have a problem with finishing. But Jesus, quiet back there. Uh, Jesus, um, obviously he's the greatest teacher, right? Whenever Jesus speaks, we listen. So he's talking here about building a house. So growing up in church, um, I've heard this scripture many times, and it's always about building your foundation, right? Put it on the rock and on the sand. The rock is good. You can make it strong. On the sand, it's going to be wiped away. And, But you're building a house. It doesn't really help when you're a kid. You don't build houses when you're a kid, right? So now that I'm older, I'm thinking, build a house. And what all is involved in building a house? If you think about it, you don't just build the foundation, which you obviously need to be on a firm foundation, right? It'd be on a rock. You don't just put up walls structure, all that, okay, that's good, and then you go on, right? It seems like everything you do in life is evolved around that house, at least most of it. You go to work all week, you make money to pay for the house, you work all week for to buy food, to eat in the house, You your family's in the house, everything you buy, you put in the house, especially things of value, when you, when you buy a new Mustang, right? You don't put that out in the front yard, right? Where are you going to put it? You're going to put that in the house. Man, that's treasure, right? Where's Jeff? I need a ride. He's probably out driving it. Man, that car is nice. So um, so Jesus is talking about comparing the hearing and the doing versus the wise and the foolish, right? So Jesus says, if you hear my words and do them, you're wise. If you hear them, don't do them, you're foolish. So what if you put yourself, if you don't put yourself in a position to actually hear the word, right? So what if you're, okay, so you got the wise man and the foolish man, they're both building a house. They're both building the house. They have the same focus, they're just doing it in the wrong spot, right? What if you don't even put yourself in the position to build the house? What are you? I mean, I guess you're homeless, right? But if you don't hear the word, and you you don't even put yourself to where you can hear the word, Man, then what are you? You're not wise, obviously. You're not foolish. Ooh, what are you? So let's look at that. Let's look at some ways that we can actually hear God's word. Hear God speak to us. And 
And the first one we're going to look at is church. So obviously you guys get to check that off for the week, right? You're here. Check. Got to church. Check. And let's go to um, Hebrews 10.25. It talks about not forsaking the assembly. That's King James. But ESV says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So it's talking about the Christians getting together. Don't neglect that, right? Don't neglect that, as is the habit of some to actually neglect it. So when a couple years ago, when me and Shelly were going to church here in town, we would actually, it almost became a habit of missing church because it just we just weren't committed. We weren't involved in the church, obviously. We would just go when we didn't have something that was, I don't know, a really good reason. I don't, I don't want to say excuse because we can always come up with excuses, but sometimes you, you always have those legitimate reason not to come go to church, right? But what if what if it wasn't a legitimate reason? It's just the fact that you're not committed to going to church, right? So that's the first one, church. The second one, your world. Okay? If you actually open yourself up and you're seeking God, you, pretty much your whole world could be opened up to where God can speak to you. If you think about the, everybody that's around you, um, godly people or ungodly people, your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends, your enemies. In, he, in uh, Numbers 22, God used a donkey to speak to a prophet. If God can use a donkey to speak to a prophet, surely he can use the ungodly to speak to you, right? If you're seeking God, you're going to be able to hear him speak to you in all kinds of circumstances, the good ones, the bad ones, and all the ones in between. Uh, number three, the Holy Spirit. John sixteen thirteen. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The things that are to come. He's going to guide you into all truth. Right? So if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, how is he going to guide you? How are you going to be able to hear God's word if you're not listening to the Spirit? The fourth one here, this is where we're going to spend most of our time on. Because this is where God's really been speaking to me lately. If you want to hear God speak to you, God's word, right? I mean, I mean, where else can you get 100% of God than God's word, right? Sometimes you're not sure what if your friends or your loved ones are, is that from God? You know, there's a question, but if you have God's word, there's no question, right? It's God's word, right? Let's look at uh, Psalms 1, chapter 1, verse 2. Meditate on his word day and night. That's my version. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Meditating on God's word day and night. Um, John six sixty three. This is Jesus talking here. Jesus is talking to his disciples. When Jesus speaks, we listen, right? He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are life, are spirit and life. Man, that's good. The, his, just his, him talking gives you life. Every time Jesus speaks, he was speaking God's word. 
when Jesus speaks, life happens. Man, do you believe that? When Jesus actually speaks, life happens. A few verses later there in John, Peter even says, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the world, you have the words of eternal life. Peter was saying, Jesus, when you speak, life happens forever, right? You speak life forever. When, so how do you feed yourself this? How do you feed yourself God's word? He says meditate on it day and night. Man, how do you how do you do that? I mean, do you walk around with your phone, your with your app, the Bible app, and just like reading it every day? I mean, I have my devotions in the morning, but by lunchtime, I mean it's gone. Unless it was something that hit me through a circumstance or something, and they tied together. Unless the word is like like connecting the dots, then I can kind of see a path. But most of the time, I'm by the evening. I work at home now, and there's four kids there. Uh, uh, the word is not there. And my word is there, screaming and yelling, right? But especially summer, man, summer school. You should think about that. So, so how, do we, how do we get to hide his word in our heart? In Psalm 19, it says, hide his word in your heart. Meditate on it day and night. How, how do we get there? So about... When I was about 13 or 14, we had a guest speaker come to our church in Nebraska, and I have no idea. He was a missionary or another preacher. I can't remember. The only thing I can really remember is that he was preaching, and sometime during his preaching, this is before phones, he closed the Bible, and he quoted two chapters, word for word, just quoted it. And I'm like, Wow. I've never seen that. Grew up in church, never seen that. And just like, man, that would be cool. I'm going to try that. And, you know, I got like three or four verses. Didn't get very far. And and then about three weeks ago, I'm listening to Elevation Worship on YouTube. Again, this phone is amazing. Um, they play, you know, you watch a video, and then they automatically throw in another thing that you think is what they think that you want. And, man... It's pretty crazy how they are tapped into your lives. Um, so it, it brought up this uh, picture. is like a painting. And then some guy just starts talking in the background. And he was reading Romans 8. And he had such passion with it. And I'm just like, man, that is good stuff. So I listened to it like four or five times. And I'm, I'm like, this guy's got to be a great public speaker like me, right? So... I listened to it four or five times, and then so I try to figure out who this guy is, and so I'm doing some research. It's John Piper. He's a, a pretty well-known preacher, and apparently he's good on scripture memorization because I went to some of his sermons, and one sermon he quoted eight chapters of the Bible, eight chapters. I can't even do eight verses, and he does eight chapters, and you're just like blown away by his scripture memorization. So how do you... Put, how do you put his word in your heart? How do you meditate on it day and night? Scripture memorization. This is one way right here. So let's look at several ways to see why we should memorize. Why memorize the scriptures? Well, first of all, it's going to help you meditate, right? If you have the scripture memorized, when you do your devotions in the morning, 
that afternoon or evening, it's going to come back to you, right? When, when you're going through a, tr- a tough time, is looking up scripture something that you normally do? Mm, maybe. More than likely not. But if it's already here, you're ready to go. Why memorize? Number two, it strengthens your faith. In Romans uh, ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to hear it in order to strengthen your faith. If you want your faith strengthened, if you want to grow in Christ, you have to hear it. How do you hear it? By putting it here. Number three, changes the way you view the world. So before you're saved, you see the world this way, right? The way the world sees the world. After you're saved, you like you need to kind of switch focus to how God views the world. In Romans 12, 2, it says, uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. That by testing you may discern what is good will, what is the good will of God. What is good, perfect, and acceptable. Acceptable and perfect. So, you want to know what's God's will. You want to know what is good, acceptable, and perfect, right? How do you do that? Right? Renewing your mind. You have to change your mind from the world's view to God's view. How do you do that? Scripture memorization is an awesome way to do that. Two more. Um, and this one is really hits home for me because I can't tell you how many times this has happened. Um, number four, the, to minister to others in need. How many times do people come to you and, you're, and they're in the depths of despair? Uh, they got cancer. Their mom just died. Their brother's in jail. Um, whatever, right? We all go through these horrible times. So people come to you and they want to get all this off of their chest, right? What do you say? Well, you can't say, yeah, oh, I know how you feel. Especially if you've never been there, right? Don't say that. What do you say? Hold on. Uh, Google, um, what What do I say to somebody about the Bible, uh, in the Bible to say about cancer? Uh, what, what do I say to them? Maybe it'll work. I don't know. I guess I've never tried it. But what do you do? Do you have something that you can give them? That's tough. But if you memorize scripture, it will help you minister to others. Lastly, to abide in Jesus. Why memorize? To abide in Jesus. In John 15, verse 7, this is Jesus talking here. When Jesus talks, we listen, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. It's just not reading. His words have to become part of you. What's a great way for that to happen? Scripture memorization. So my challenge to myself is memorizing Romans 8. I'm about five or six verses in. I'm not even going to try it. Don't even ask because it will not go good. But that's that's personally what I put on myself is to memorize Romans 8. Step one, right? So putting yourself in the place where God can hear you is what we talked about. Now, Jason's going to come up here and talk about doing that. So you hear it, you receive it, now do it, right? Jason? Tim has done an awesome job for us here in part one and really like laying out for us what it looks like to hear from God and the importance of, of digging into scripture and, and memorizing as he laid out. And, and so I just want to build on top of that here. So part two really is 
It's like putting all of that we learn about God, putting all those things into action, right? So if we're going we're gonna to listen to God, we're going to hear God's word, we're going to read it, we're going to do all these things, we've got to take the next step and actually do it, right? We've got to do what God's calling us to do so that we can live a life that's in line with, with God's will for us, right? So where we're going to camp out today is James 1, uh, 22 through 25. So quick background on James. Um, some of you may already know this, but, but James is actually the little half-brother to Jesus. So he grew up, grew up with Jesus. And a kind of interesting fact, actually, James wasn't a, uh, wasn't a follower of Jesus during Jesus' ministry. So when Jesus turned 30 and he started his, his public ministry, he goes public, and he, he's preaching for like three years, right? James was not, not a part of that crew. He was, not, he was not a believer in Jesus, that Jesus, that his older brother was the Messiah. It wasn't until, actually, the resurrection that, um, that James realized that my older brother is, is the Lord. You know, So it's, it's just an awesome, it's just kind of an awesome conversion story there for James. And he actually goes on to be a, a, a really solid leader um, and one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And he writes this, this awesome book. If you guys are looking for a book to read, I mean, James is an awesome book to camp out and, and really dig some awesome truth in. And he gives us this awesome passage here that we're going to camp out on today. So, again, step one, we're talking about hearing the Word of God. Step two, doing the Word of God. So, James here says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So, we'll... Uh, Let's go ahead and 23 for me if you could. So anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So what James is saying here is that simply hearing the word or simply listening to the word, that actually is not what makes a difference um, in our lives. And we fool ourselves to think that you know, if, if we're just, we're hearing or we're, or we're listening to God, that's enough. Like, that, that's enough to make the difference. And if we, if we think that, we're actually deceiving ourselves. So, and that's a big deal to us, too, because we're such, like, as, as Tim mentioned, like, we're such box checkers, right? We want, we want to check boxes to think that, that we're accomplishing things. And so, like, for us, it's easy to fall into that trap that I came to church, check or, or I score a point you know that, that that's making me a better person I came to church I uh, I went to life group you know so check I, I've been to church three weeks in a row now so so check so it's it's easy for us James is, James is saying here is like be careful because it's easy for us to get in this habit of uh, of thinking that actually the habit of listening the habit of of hearing or even the habit of reading while all those things are good, and we encourage you to do those things, those things alone don't get the job done. So according to James here, what does get the job done? What does make the difference here? Excuse me. What does make the difference here? And he's saying doing it is what makes the difference. So let's, let's be honest. Like, I'm all about this too. I love listening to awesome preaching. I mean, I, I think we're, we're probably all guilty of this, but me especially. Like, when Pastor Tim gets up here, I mean, he's just going at it. He's He's all passionate about it, and he's, you know, he, he's, his voice is getting high, and he's, he's waving his arms and does this thing with his feet. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him do that. I don't, know what, I don't know what that's about, but it's passion, right? It's passion, baby, so I love it. 
And, uh, and man, I can just feel like so just like, you know, I can get, I'm right there with him, right? I feel convicted about what, he, what he's speaking on. I get passionate about it. Um, but it's, it's easy for us to like, man, like the countdown starts when the message is over. Like, how long is that going to stick with us, right? I mean, is it like an hour? Is it two hours? Is it basically the first time or just at the point where the kids, you just had enough and you have to, you snap and you're just like, well, I'll give it a try next week because I lasted like two hours this time. Last time I only lasted about 30 minutes. I lost it on the drive home. So, you know, we, we get in that habit that um, it's hard for it to stick with us, right? And so sometimes we almost, we can convince ourselves that, you know, it's, what I'm going to do is like the purpose of coming to church is, is to feel bad about myself. And that's like a religious experience is that feeling bad about myself. And it's, it's almost, we can get to the point of going like, man, today was awesome. I feel terrible about myself. And since I feel terrible about myself, I get credit with God. So see you next week, right? And so it, it's, it's almost like we can get into that mentality. And, and what James is saying, and obviously the, the entire Bible, and what God wants you to know is that that's not the point. The point is to not feel terrible about yourself. Pastor Tim, when he's up here preaching, he's not like, man, I hope these people feel like dirt when I'm done with this. And, and that's going to make you feel good. I mean, the, the whole purpose is that we take this and we apply it into our lives so that we, we can live a fuller, we can live the fullest life like Christ, like, like Christ wants for us and what God wants for us. And just to align our lives in with his truth. So um, let me go back to the text, actually. And, and they, James uses an awesome analogy here. I mean, just one of the best analogies you'll hear um, about, about Scripture. So Verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he sees. So it's, again, it's like reading the word and then immediately not applying it and immediately forget what you did. So it's, think of it as like, again, it's a, it's a guy that wakes up in the morning, you get up, you go in the morning, you're like, you're looking in the mirror, you're like, yikes, man, that was a, that was a rough night's sleep. That did me some damage. I don't, I don't know what is going on here. I got a booger up here on my forehead. This is just, man, that was a rough night's sleep. This is going to take some work, you know, before I leave the house. And you say that, and then you go eat breakfast, and then you basically just hop in the car and you leave. You go to work, or you, you go to the mall, or, or you just, you know, go to school or whatever, and you forget what you saw, you saw in the mirror. So, um, group therapy time for me real quick. I, I confessed this. I have a, a, a dream that I had when I was a kid, and it just messed with me. Uh, I had it, like, all the time, and I never should have, like, gone to that at least and, like, figured out, like, what this dream means. But it, it kind of relates to this. is like waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror, but then not doing anything and kind of going off to school. So I had this dream, and I confessed this to, to Brother Tim, and he just simply laughed at me. So I'm hoping I get more moral support from you guys here. But, so this dream is basically, I, I wake up, I, I eat breakfast, I hop in the car with my brothers and my, and my mom, and she takes us to school, and I get to school, and I see my friends, and I'm like, what's up? How's it going? And then at some point, I, I look down, and I realize, oh my gosh, I don't have any clothes on right now. I, I, I don't have any, do people realize I don't have any clothes on? I'm just sporting, like, my whitey tidies, like, how does my mom let me come to school in whitey tidies, right? Has anybody had that dream? Seriously? Thank you, Mike. I think I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. I was like, man, am I messed up? 
Because Tim just laughed. He was like, I've never heard of anybody having that dream before. I don't know what's wrong with you. So thank, I don't have that dream anymore. So I've, I've been healed and uh, I've moved on. So, so we're, we're, we're good there. But, but so when we look in the mirror, you know, we see something and it, the mirror requires a response from us, right? I mean, the mirror does not lie. It reflects exactly who we are. And that's exactly what God's word does. It reflects exactly, you know, where we're at and who we are. And, and in any other stage of life, we can't get away with, with again, like my, my story about looking in the mirror and then just hopping in the car and not getting dressed or, or whatever. We can't get away with that, obviously, in real life, right? If you have a really important, important meeting at work with a really important client or whatever, and you look in the mirror, but then you don't do anything about it, you just hop in the car and go, your boss is going to be like, man, what happened to you? And you're like, what? What? And he's like, you, you look like a train wreck. Like, your hair is doing this thing. Like, you can't go see a client looking like that. And you're like, well, I, I looked in the mirror. And he's not going to be cool with just like, well, you looked in the mirror. So we don't get credit for just looking in the mirror in the real life. So, but in the realm of like our spiritual growth and, and our like spiritual behavior, we, we do that all the time. We can, we can come to church and we can hear an awesome sermon and something that's really inspiring or convicting. And, and we're like, oh man, that was good. That was, that was real good. Um, but when it comes to actually like do something about it, we're, we kind of tell ourselves, well, maybe, and then it doesn't happen. And you're like, well, maybe I'll just come back next week for another dose of conviction. And, and so if that's our mentality, James is saying you, you're missing the point that we're, we're deceiving ourselves if that's really our, our mentality. So uh, let me bring this down to like a practical level. So let's, let's use generosity a, as the example. So a few weeks ago, we were over at Tim and Judy's house. We did a uh, starting point gathering. For those of you who aren't familiar with starting point here at our church, what we, we try to do is get together with some folks and, and, and just talk about who we are as, as real life church. And then also like, what are our core beliefs? So what do we believe about salvation? What do we believe about baptism? And then also like the four essential like spiritual habits that, that we develop as Christians in order to grow in our relationship with God, right? And so one of those four is generosity, right? And you know, Everybody loves generosity, right? I mean, nobody's going to have an issue with generosity. You don't have people go like, you know what the problem with the world? The problem with the world is there's too many generous people. You know, you don't really hear people saying that, right? Everybody loves the idea of generosity. It's kind of just until the point where it's kind of put on us to actually live that out, where it can, it can kind of cause us some heartburn. So, so to be a hearer in that situation— is to, you know, hear the talk about generosity and go like, yeah, man, yeah, we need to be a generous people. But then, like, we walk out the door, and then, like, we don't really contemplate, like, what does that actually look like in our lives? Like, how can I apply that? How can I, how can I live that out in my neighborhood, in the people in my life group, and, and just in my, in my community in general? And it just simply ends up being, like, more religious information that we got stored up here, that we file away, and we're like, well, it, it's up here. I don't know how long it's going to stay up here. It's here right now. But we deceive ourselves and we think like, well, because I was, man, that was good. Or because I was convicted, we think we believe it. But when it actually comes time to like living it out, we don't do it. So then it's like, you know, do we, do we, really, do we really believe that? So, so with that said, James, thankfully, he doesn't leave us hanging. He's got our back. He, he continues to go on and he, he gives us instructions as to how to be doers doers of the word. So if we keep going, verse 25, 
it says, okay, but the one who looks into the perfect law, so it says looks, but uh, another, I think it's, um, maybe the NIV says, looks intently. So what we're talking about here is, is similar to what Tim was talking about early, earlier with memorization, but it's just like you stop and you stare and you like bend down and you just like, you try to figure out exactly what God is saying here. You want, you want to take what God is saying here and you want to, you want to, you know, apply it to your life. So you're really trying to understand what it is. So it's looking intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, being not a hearer who forgets about, a, about being a doer, but who acts, he is blessed in his doing. So, um, excuse me, let me, I don't want to lose my notes here, but so again, what he, James is saying here, and so he's, what he's calling us to do, the instructions for being a doer is simply that. It's like, just do it, right? No, no truth, you know, of God is like stored up in our mind is really going to serve us any good unless it, it results in us like growing in our faith, which then is going to result in us actually doing work. So the, the doer of a word <clears throat> looks at the word, meditates on it, like abides in it, continues in it, and tries to apply it to his, across, across his life. Tries to really put that practice into, into, into his life. And that phase, or excuse me, the phrase there that he uses is really talking about like a habitual practice. You're really trying to make it, make it part, of our, uh, part of our life. And, and in doing that, we continue, in, we continue on in obedience. It's kind of like, again, that, that act of, uh, of habitual activity. That's what helps us you know, the same thing with memorization. That's what helps us remember God's word is that, is that obedience and that habitual activity. It's kind of like we've all taken probably a, a foreign language in, in high school, right? Who still remembers the, the foreign language they, they learned in high school? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, we got a few people. That's good. I learned Spanish, and uh, I had actually three semesters of it. And so I, I was certainly not conversational, but I, I could— I could get an A on a test because I can re- read it or whatever. But when it actually came to apply it, it was a whole other thing. Like, I actually had the opportunity to apply my Spanish. Um, there was a church I went to when I was in college, had numerous mission trips down to Mexico. And so we went down there, and I was—I really tried to, to beef up on it so that I didn't get down there and just be like, uh, habla inglés. Um, I actually, like, tried to speak Spanish when I got down there. And then um, the, the next visits I had down there— I did not prep, and I didn't, ha- they were just like, man, your Spanish is horrible now. I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. But, uh, uh, but that, again, speaks to us that, you know, true hearing and receiving must respond in obedience, and that's how we're going to, you know, remember, that's how God's, God's word is going to dwell within us, is by living it out. Um, so the last point I've got here, so what are the results of us being doers, right? So verse 25 says, we will be blessed in what we do. So let me break down, just so, let me unpack that real quick, because the word blessed, you know, sometimes gets misconstrued to what exactly that means. And the Bible here is obviously not telling us that, it's not teaching us that once we become a believer and once we do God's work, that everything is going to be perfect. You know, we're, everything we touch turns to gold, and, and we're not going to have any heartache. And, and obviously that's not the case. There's numerous, like, devout believers throughout the Bible that, that suffer hardships, and, and we probably have all experienced people that obviously walking with God and they're, they're dealing with difficulties. So that's not obviously what it's talking about. He says, but when we do this, when we, when we are doers, 
we will experience freedom in doing that. We, we have the, there's blessing in responding to what we hear. And there's like the satisf- just like the satisfaction you get of getting dolled up in, in the mirror. There's satisfaction in, in doing what God is calling us to do. And what James is saying is that, you know, that's the payoff. The payoff for us is what, is what happens in our heart. And what happens is just that joy of serving God. And that process of being an habitual doer, that fills us up with joy. And we can experience God on a whole new level by doing that. And we just get his understanding and his peace and his joy, just all those joy that he they can give us. And as I was mentioning, again, there's obviously plenty of things in this life that can try to lead us astray. And some of us, obviously, we live in a, in a fallen world, and some of us go through some really tough times. And there's, obviously, we'll go through seasons and, and things that you thought you were obeying what God wanted you to do, and it, it, the plan still didn't unfold the way you thought it would. And sometimes that can, like I said, that can really harden us to, to kind of this truth. But, but as believers, you know, what God really wants us to cling to is the fact that he is for us and he is not against us. And bottom line, obviously, he sends his son to die for us. He is for us. He is not against us. So every command that is, that is in the Bible from the, the don't do this to the do this, it's really, it's about God inviting us to like the deepest life possible with him. I mean, he's, he's not wanting us just to, as far as being a doer of the word, it doesn't really count if we're just like, well, you know, we're checking boxes. We're like, well, I did this because the Bible says I should do this. I mean, that, that's not, he's not looking for like a begrudging submission, you know, just to like this, this task list. That, that's not what it's about. Christ said, John 10, 10 talks about, I have come that you may have life and you may have life to the fullest. So again, it's not, it's not about, you know, living this, um, and then this really boring and like just kind of head down, just like I said, unexciting life while all these other people are out here living it up and, and doing whatever. You know, when, when the Bible says don't go this way, it's not because, again, God's this big cosmic killjoy and he doesn't want you to have any fun. And it's not like this path like leads to this awesome, you know, experience or whatever. God's saying don't go that way because he wants to protect us. He's saying death is down that way. Go this way. This is, this is the life that you want. This is where you should be going. So um, we can't, you know, in, in today's time, and we just, we're like bombarded with so many different things that can, can lead us astray from that truth. And, you know, one of the things obviously is just that, you know, our feelings can end up just like determining everything about our, about our lives. We can just let those, the roller coaster of our feelings determine, determine our walk. And, and obviously, feelings are not, are not facts. Jeremiah seventeen nine says that <clears throat> that the heart is deceitful among all uh, above all things. So he's saying the heart, our feelings, are deceitful above all things. Those feelings, we got to bring those in line with the truth of God, because if we, if we kind of uh, go along the lines of thinking feelings are facts, then like man, your your life is just going to be like a roller coaster. Your your truth, your definition of truth. It's just like all over the map, right? I mean, one day your truth could be like, life is awesome because everything is going well. And then the next day, life is terrible. And, or like, these people love me one day and these people hate me the next day. So again, it's just a roller coaster. I mean, that's exhausting, right? I mean, that would just be exhausting to, to live that way. And that's not what, what God obviously calls us to do. And, and I'm not saying that obviously we all have feelings. God gave us these feelings for a reason, um, we are feelings people. I'm a feely guy. Uh, I was, I'm definitely a feely guy now that I have kids. Like 
before I had kids, I didn't really grow up in like a, a, a touchy-feely family. So you know, what, like, the only time I would like probably get a little emotional is like, like epic movies, like Braveheart. We've all seen Braveheart, right? The ending of Braveheart, right, where he is on the, the whatever, the bench there, and they're like torturing him, and they're telling him, you know, to, uh, you know, announce your allegiance to the king, and he's not doing it, and then all of a sudden he just yells, freedom, right? I mean, who didn't, who didn't tear up at that, at that point, right? You need a heart check if you didn't, if you didn't tear up at that point. But now, now they have kids, it's just like any half-sad movie, it's just like waterworks. Amber and, I, Amber and I were actually watching like a commercial a few weeks ago, and there was a preview for, it's called um, Collateral Beauty. It's a movie with Will Smith. Will Smith, his like six-year-old daughter dies. And it's just like, we saw the previews, and then we were both like, don't, don't look at me, don't, don't look at me. So, so feeling, you know, feelings can be great, Right? But, but they also can, like, they can just lead us astray. They're constantly betraying us. And, and so we need to bring those in, in line with the truth of God and submit to God's truth, not like the impulses, not the impulses of our feelings. So, so let, me, let me wrap up and just say, like, let me bring this to a practical level. Like, we are—it's <clears throat> awesome about being in this church is that we're a church of, of a lot of different people, and we have, like— different stages of, of life that we're in, and we're different walks of life and different spiritual, different spiritual um, uh, levels right now. So what I, I really want to challenge you guys is, is that <clears throat> really pray and meditate. Let's, let's just go ahead and, and, and here in just a little bit, we're going we're gonna to pray and meditate. I want to give you guys just a little bit of time, whether you want to come up here or just sit there where you're at, and just close your eyes and really pray and meditate as to where you're at in your relationship with God, and what is that next step God, God is calling you to do right now? So, you know, it would be awesome, if, obviously, if we all come in next week and we say that, hey, we read our Bible an hour a day, and, and, we, and we invited 10 people to church and witnessed to a bunch of different people, but, but specifically right now, God may have put something on your heart where he's calling you to respond to something. And so, uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and have the—Nick, if you want to go ahead and come up— we're just going to close in a, in, a, in a time where you guys can just pray and really ask God to reveal what that is. Just ask God, you know, is where we're at right now and what is it, what is it that we can, be, we can be praying for God about. I mean, for some of us, you know, it may just be like, have, have we reached the point where we have accepted Christ as our, our Lord and Savior? Have, have we had that moment where we've, we've repented to God and we've asked him, to save us from our sins and be the Lord of our lives. So maybe for some of us, that's where you're at. Maybe also for some of us, maybe we just have, maybe there's just something in our life that we need to repent about. There's, there's something, you know, that we're holding on to and God is asking us to release it, just telling us to release it. And and that's where we're at. Um, Maybe for some of us, it was kind of like what Tim was talking about. And I know that really hit me. It's just like, where am I at in my prayer life? And, And where am I where am I at in my, in my Bible study and, you know, and, and memorizing scripture and those things? And so maybe that's the step that God's wanting you to make is like really take that part seriously in your life. And for maybe some of us, I talked about generosity earlier. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's God's calling you to, to make a step of generosity. And, and whether it's like being generous in your, in your finances and, and, and giving to the church or if it's just being generous in your, in your time and your talents and, and volunteering um, in an outside organization or, or here in this church. What, whatever that is, whatever God's put on your heart, let's just go ahead and have, uh, you know, just a couple of minutes of, of quiet time. We'll let you guys pray. 
And then I'll come back and we'll close this in, we'll close this off in prayer.